10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is the Sunday Morning Breakfast Show with Sobia Iqbal on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Sobia Stella Sunday. It's Sunday the 5th of December and we have the best conversations coming your way. Should our students be exposed to certain types of music or not? What is it like to teach with dyspraxia? And how to survive a dead-end job if you're not making any progress? It's another thrilling morning. Prepare for takeoff. Live from London. This is the Sunday Morning Breakfast Show with Sobia Iqbal on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Morning! My first guest today is Giorgio Savidas. He is part of an award-winning hip-hop orchestra. A classically trained pianist, composer and producer, Giorgio wants to change the perceptions of both classical and hip-hop music. Since their birth in 2012, they have achieved a tremendous amount from working, some, from working with some of the UK's biggest grime and rap artists. We're going to come back to Giorgio after this. Hey, Giorgio. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Have you had a good morning so far? I've got nice and early like I normally do. Had a some breakfast, had a few emails, and I'm now on this amazing show. So thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Uh, Giorgio, for our listeners, can you just explain your career journey to date so that everybody can get an understanding of your background and where you're from? Of course. So I started in music at the age of five, actually. Um, I started off uh, self-taught on piano for the first years of my life, actually, because I was very fortunate enough to have um, my family, although they weren't trained in music themselves, they had a couple of keyboards around the house, actually, and always playing not amazing music around the house, from disco to R&B to pop, whatever it might be. And I was very fortunate enough to have, say, one or two keyboards around the house, actually. And when I, whenever I used to hear or vinyl or tape, whatever it might be. I just go on the keyboard and kind of pick it up and learn how to play then and there. And it was from there, actually, that my family actually saw a little gift in me, actually. So it wasn't until I was 11 years old um, where I started having proper piano lessons. I kind of, a little bit before that, actually, and a little bit after as well, um, what really got me into music big time was... Um, one of my, someone I used to work for my dad actually, gave me a piece of software called Dance EJ, which was a software where you could create your own music using samples of music. And if I tell you, I was literally addicted to that software. I mean, addicted. I would spend literally hours every day after school on this piece of software. And without realizing, I, I kind of knew I'd get into music, but not realizing it until much further in my life. But going back to my piano lesson when I was 11, I started doing grades from 11 years onwards. Did all my grades and 
luckily I left it at 22. I did all my, I finished my last grade, grade eight, which was incredible. One of the best feelings of my life because for anyone that knows, doing grades in instruments is very difficult, very, very difficult. And if I tell you that I spent literally hours after school every day practicing, literally five, six hours a day, it was ridiculously difficult. But that's how many grades are there, Georgia? There's eight grades altogether. Um, and you can go, you can do things afterwards, like um, diplomas and degrees in music. Um, but in terms of the actual degree and um, grade, grading system itself, there's eight grades. As through the ABRSM or Associated Board of the Royal School of Music, and I did all that past eleven years ago, actually. And in between that as well, I went to college. Uh, I went to Oakland's College after school. I didn't go to sixth floor. I went straight to college, and I did a music performance course there. And it's a three-year course. And within that three-year course, we did things like music theory to producing to learning about the music business and so forth. And it wasn't until my second year of college, actually, where one of our kind of assignments was actually music producing. And although I did a bit of producing beforehand, like I mentioned on that program, uh, Dance EJ, it wasn't until my second year of college where we actually produced our very own music on a different software called Logic, which is one of the most popular softwares out there. And when I tell you I was hooked from the get-go, when I started producing on Logic and making my own music and how to do that, it was like a light bulb moment thinking, yes, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. This is it. I want to produce so, music. I want to compose. That's it. So for for you, um, mm. somebody who came from a, a normal background, you kind of had an inkling when you were a child. And then it wasn't until you got into college that you kind of, the light bulb moment hit where you were like, yeah, I definitely want to go down this route. Um with regards to your family and your parents, did mm -hmm. they, I mean, you mentioned your dad earlier, did they ever discourage you? Um, because obviously, you know, it's music and people do worry about not being able to find stable work afterwards. Was they ever mm -hmm. discouraged or, or was it nurtured? How, how were your family about it? Oh, they nurtured me so, so much. I mean, if it wasn't for my family, I don't know where I would be because I did struggle a, a lot at school actually hopefully we'll get into this later but um we i suffer from dyspraxia and for those that don't know it's a, it's a brain development disorder and so because of that i wasn't diagnosed until i was 15 um but throughout my school and school life whether it's primary school into secondary school i struggled a lot i mean from an outsider looking in if you don't know about these kind of symptoms or i know it's, it's a lot more prevalent now and people know about these kind of things a lot more now but kind of growing up as an outsider looking in, unless you knew about this kind of stuff, it kind of looked like I was lazy or not concentrating. Well, in fact, I really struggled hugely, immensely. And because of that, I, I got really frustrated with, I think, am I silly? Am I not intelligent? I'm finding like this simple, well, I thought this simple stuff would be difficult. But through music, through playing keyboard and making my own music, that I... I really prevailed through music and because of that, my parents like saw a gift to me, like I mentioned earlier, and really pushed me into music and thought, you know, you know what, you've got something here. Let's really go for it now. And I'm forever thankful to my parents and my family, my brother as well, my family, my uncles, my grand my aunties, everyone just for thinking, look, you've got something here, go for it. And at the same time, they were honest with me, saying, You're very you're so clever, but at the same time, you this you're not that good at anything else. 
That music is your I'm thing. Sure I'll take that. I'm, Jeez, I'm that. sure that's, that's not it. true, Georgia. <laughs> I think basically sometimes when it does come down to that, everyone does have uh, different skills in different uh, in different places, and I think that's really important. And you know, uh, having dyspraxia, you've mentioned how you struggled at school when you you know you were a student and you were learning to study, and music was your outlet, and that was the only way you could move forward. But mm. also as a teacher, I mean, you must have struggled as a teacher as well, right? You know what? It's funny you say that because it's actually the complete opposite. I mean, yeah, well, being a teacher, as you know, it's a very difficult job. I mean, it, it, as we all know, it's like a very overwhelming job. But because I've, I've learned over the years to use my dyspraxia as my, like a cheesy way of saying it, but like, like my superpower where I've learned what works for me. I know what how I learn. And now I can use that to teach other kids who might be going through different, like similar struggles, whether it's ADHD or dyslexia or dyspraxia or even things like autism as well. And I've learned things that really work for me. And now I've used this like a kind of package and teach that to kids now. And I know as a teacher who suffers with dyspraxia badly or what it's like to really suffer. So that's why I'm very, I'm very patient with kids who might not understand things from the get go. And I use examples and things like games as well that might work for the kids. Like, oh, now I understand it. Now that like, there we go, brilliant. And you just got to be very patient with kids, and not even kids, like, even people are older as well. That not everyone learns in the same way. Obviously, we're all different. We just need to be very patient, very creative in our fields, and find out exactly what works and listen as well. I mean, if you see someone struggle if you're able to take that a little bit of extra time just to figure out what works for them and the results you'll get are just tremendous really amazing did, did you ever feel like you were hindered at any point whether you were studying or whether you when you went into the music industry uh, or even as a teacher before you went into music were there any barriers because of the fact that you had dyspraxia and you you had something that obviously was very uh, obvious uh, did that hold you back in any way I mean not at all because like I mentioned earlier I use it as my superpower and because of that it gave me a work ethic of working much harder than everyone else, which I've taken throughout my whole career now because I see how really hard my parents work and I've learned a work ethic to get me where I wanted in life because I know that life is not easy. I mean, you don't just get handed things to you on a plate. I mean, for the most part, nine, nine times out of ten, you've got a really, or I mean ten times out of ten, you have to really, really work to get Get, you, get to where you want in life and through my dyspraxia I've gathered this tremendous work ethic of getting to where I want in life and yeah the music industry is very difficult obviously you can be lucky in some instances and just get caught at the right moment and then get blasted into superstardom very quickly but for the most part you do get a lot of rejections I mean things go wrong all the time it's just your mindset about the whole thing of how you deal with it and get past it and how you accept rejection and then just move on with that and learn from your mistakes and move on to the next step. And that's how, and that's how I got on with my life, just that work ethic and mindset of getting past things and not letting it stop me. That's a good way to uh, look at it. Let's go back to music then. Mm -hmm. um, when you left, uh, did you say you went to university as well? I didn't go to university, went to college. And then for, I actually forgot to mention as well that when I went to college, I, I went straight into work after that through places like the Roundhouse, to Metropolis Studios and... Through there, 
because I, the, the best one of the ways I learned best is just by doing it and being thrown into the deep end of things. And I love education so much. I love knowledge so much. So I'm always reading. I'm always learning through podcasts as well and reading. And But one of the best ways that I learn, it, well, personally, is just by doing things. So as soon as I left college with a triple merit in music performance, I was lucky enough to get a job at the Roundhouse where I worked at major festivals. I was an assistant engineer and also an audio engineer as well. So I'd work with local bands, two big artists as well. And lucky enough to work on like major events as well with people like Kanye West, to Flo Rida as well. And, oh, you've worked and with Kanye? <laughs> yeah. Pat That's Kanye's. really cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And um, like you mentioned earlier as well, I got and obviously through the orchestra, which we'll talk about later hopefully as well. But and Metropolis as well, I got to work with people like Rihanna, the London Symphony Orchestra, or Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, sorry. And, and are, they, are they all uh, as down to earth as they seem? The no, they, they really are. I mean, it's so strange because, you know, obviously on the front, they might seem like very like hard to approach people or maybe stuck up in themselves. But when I got talking to people like Rihanna, like at the studio, she's so down to earth. And for me personally, I don't get starstruck, which I think she liked that because I was like, oh my God, it's Rihanna. Oh my God. But the, I was just talking to her like, like we are just like, like we're friends, like very easy and down to earth. And, we're having jokes, having a laugh, and it's just such an amazing experience working with such mega superstars and seeing how nice they actually are as well. And but not just and that that's as well, quite... but work. Sorry, go on. Go, carry on. No, thank you. Um, but it's just lovely as well, not, not just working with them, but the people behind these scenes as well. People that don't always get the starlight or the stardom because of the, the focus is more on the artists themselves, but. The people that I'm talking about, the people like the audio engineers themselves, the producers, and it's these and other people like behind the scenes that people don't always appreciate and to see how talented they are, how intelligent they are, I mean, how creative they are, it's just amazing. So I'll just sit back and just watch how everyone worked as a big unit and a big team. I just learned so much by doing that. And when I got involved as well by doing engineering sessions as well and producing my own music with different people as well and running my own orchestra it's just it's been the most amazing journey I'm just so thankful for that you've got quite a good range of skills then because obviously um some people do go down the university route uh, and they do study music and then go into Mm -hmm. the field but you actually went the other way where you started working straight away after college um I really like the fact that you've said that um, you had to learn your trade. So you had mm-hmm. to actually know everything inside out. So not only uh, were you a musician, you actually started producing your own music as well. And um, you were also um, doing uh, various uh, bits of editing uh, and sampling as well. Can you tell us why? what was the interest with hip-hop and classical music? Because this, the difference with you and your organisation and what your project is about is that you've got two opposite ends <laughs> of the spectrum when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? You know, actually, it's funny you're saying, actually, because I, for- I forgot, forgot to mention, actually, that growing up, Part of my kind of learning process on the piano was actually, like I mentioned kind of briefly before, that was picking songs up by radio or vinyl, whatever it might be growing up. But I used to, my brother was a massive hip-hop fan as well. His favourite artist was Tupac. And so what I used to do was, as part of my learning, was kind of freestyle as well on top of different tracks, whether it's R&B or hip-hop. And because having an older brother, I used to look up, I still look up to him now to this day, 
whether he liked I liked as well. And growing up listening to certain hip hop tracks from different artists like Immortal Technique to the Wu Tang Clan to Tupac, Biggie, and so forth, I really love stories. I'm a big fan of stories, which is why I adore podcasts as well. And for proper hip hop, which evolved from things like slavery into blues into jazz, and also, so it's, it literally, essentially, is poetry with music. And when you used to hear certain tracks of these rappers telling their stories of what they've seen or what they've been through, whether it's on the streets or what they've done, or it's, it bring it really draws you in. And I was obsessed with like stories and listening to what they used to have to say because. For me, I'm, I'm very blessed to come from a very loving family. We come from a lovely household and so forth. But at the same time, I used to love hearing about other people, all the struggles I used to go through and how they've overcome that. And I used to love that. I mean, there's one track in particular that really stood out to me. It's quite a shocking track, so I won't mention kind of the story behind it. But it, I'll tell you what the track's called. It's called Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique. And one of the first tracks I listened to growing up where it kind of shocked me with the story thinking it's like a 30 minute track of he's talking in the third person mm. of what happened to this woman and then he said that he did it at the end I'm thinking oh my god is this wow um but it's just moments like that you really, really grows on you and just hearing stories of different people's stories and livelihoods it really drew me in and also people's reactions of me playing piano on top of hip-hop tracks or R&B or whatever it might be and getting a reaction of taking a classical instrument such as piano and adding on top of tracks that people didn't always quite expect really got an amazing reaction. And it was my second, actually going back to college actually, my second year of um, college when I was doing my producing where I had the flashbulb moment of making a hip-hop orchestra because um, I always, because a lot of hip hop tracks actually, you mentioned sampling there. A lot of hip hop tracks, obviously, it's based on um, sampling as well, whether it's from blues to jazz to classical to whatever it might be. And a lot of sampling is actually through classical music. I mean, you you mentioned about the two opposite spectrums of music there, classical and hip hop. On the front, they are very different. You've got classical and hip hop; they're two complete opposite spectrums. But when you put them together. It's like peanut butter and jam. It just goes together so well. And I'll add into that. Yeah. There were some hip hop tracks that took classical samples and reworked them in a hip hop fashion. Thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder what that would sound like live with an orchestra, like a proper live orchestra, not just sampled, but live. And no one was really doing it at the time. A couple of little moments here and there, obviously, but nothing on a major, major scene. And it wasn't until I was 24, so seven years later, where I thought, you know what? That idea of a hip-hop orchestra came back to me. So um, hopefully we've got time to speak about this later. I won't obviously bore you now, but um, it's just that moment seven years later, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to start my own hip-hop orchestra. So it was from there where I kind of put the word out and the story just began from there, really. And so presumably um, you have an interest in hip-hop, grime music. Who's your favourite rapper, grime artist? Um, And also you presumably know about classical music. So what kind of uh, classical music do you like as well? So if I go to classical first, I'm going to say my favourite composer from the classical era or romantic period is Chopin. I feel like his music was so powerful, so emotional and... 
he was one of the first composers that really made me emotional growing up. I mean, one of my favorite films is what's called The Pianist, which you might know about. Yes. Um, it's a fantastic film, and the musicians from that plays a lot of Chopin, and his music really kind of drew me in. So that's why I love Chopin so much. His technique, his music is so powerful, yet so emotional, and it really draws you in. Um, but the more hip-hop style, I've got, I've got a few, actually. Um, so Method Man, because of his cadence, his voice, how he comes across his soul, like, effortlessly, it's amazing. Big Pun, another favourite of mine. Um, Tupac, obviously, Biggie. There's just a few of mine. Nas, as well, because of their stories, their flows. Yeah, they have fun with it sometimes, which I love as well, but it's just their cadence, what they talk about, their stories. I just love it. And it's so clever with their words as well. Their wordplay is just incredible. So that's, they're just a few of my favourites, really. Yeah, I mean, that sounds uh, great. I mean, I recognise the classical music. I don't, I've got to be honest, I don't recognise the rough <laughs> You were talking the grime right. artists okay. that you uh, were talking about. Um, and mm. that's probably because a lot of it is not mainstream. And so a lot of the uh, stuff that comes mainstream, I, I am aware of, but uh, the things that are, uh, you know, um, specific uh, genres uh, I don't know much about it and I'm pretty sure I've got a few listeners who know more about it than I do so please do message in if you do want to talk about gra uh, grime or rap music or hip-hop or anything uh, like that um can you Giorgio rap yourself I wish I could but I can't so I could do a little bit here and there but I don't think people want to hear me rap first again on a Sunday morning so I think I might leave it. <laughs> okay that's fine and we've also had Khalil messaging saying don't worry Sophie I'll fill you on in the on the hip-hop artist as well <laughs> so I'm going to be learning I'm going to be learning from lots of different people about this now uh, going forwards um before we go on to listen to a sample of your uh, tracks that you've got, mm. uh, Giorgio, there was this big, you know, um, big uh, scene in the media about how people wanted Stormzy to replace um, classical music. Mm. What would you say to those people <laughs> who think we should be replacing Stormzy with classical music? You know what? With me, I don't think any music should replace any music, if that makes sense. I think every kid or every, every person should have a really wide spectrum of um, genres because every genre has a story to tell and every genre is amazing in their own right. You might not like their genres, but for me, I think we should be using every genre as much as possible. I like that song, by the way, there. But it's just, <laughs> I think... <laughs> but I think I don't think it should be, we should play any kind of music. I mean, obviously, there's some music that we can't play for kids, obviously, because they're their lyrical content. But I think we should open up kids' ears to all kinds of music. I mean, every genre is amazing in their own right. And as much as I love classical music, there's only so much we can play with the same piece of music from two, three hundred years ago, if you know what I mean. So... I think we should. I think we should update everyone. Play all genres: use classical, use grime, hip hop, blues, reggae, whatever Afrobeat, whatever it might be. Use everything. Okay, so um, that sounds uh, really interesting to me. And uh, from what I've uh, gathered, um, when we're looking at Stormzy and classical music, what happened mm. was there was a, a CEO called Matt Griffiths 
who wrote a, a letter in 2019 to Nick Gibb, who was in charge of the uh, education sector at that time. And it was basically a, a piece on moral panic. And what mm. happened was uh, he was in charge of Youth Music Network, and he was saying that both types of music were acceptable uh, for students to be learning in schools. Um, and in that article it kind of um it was saying that there was this um assumption that disadvantaged children have no musical culture and that's why classical music is important to them so this is a quote that i took directly from that report it said that their lives outside are apparently and this is about rap music, by the way. Mm. Their lives outside are apparently an endless wasteland of rap music and vacuous social media. So the person who was um, talking, who, who actually wrote this report, was actually saying that people who are complaining about uh, the whole Stormzy versus classical music debate was basically, the re they were trying to justify it by saying that, you know, disadvantaged children don't have any lives. They only listen to rap music and they, you know, go on social media all day, every day. Um, and he also went on to explain that he didn't agree with that, obviously. And he said, why does it have to be a binary conflict? Why does it have to be one or the other? Exactly, exactly. like you've just exactly mm. like you've just said. And he said that teachers should have flexibility in the curriculum uh, to be teaching both um, because he's been teaching as well. And he thinks it's uh, it's suitable for that. Um, and. The arguments, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Giorgio, because I was quite shocked when I was reading this report. <laughs> the arguments were, and this is quoted from this report from the Youth Music Network that was sent to Nick Gibb, that rap music is chavy, which is kind <laughs> of an insult, and that classical music is um, is uh, nowadays cheap and therefore not exclusive to certain types of people, which is why it is acceptable for us to be rolling it out uh, in schools and making sure our students are being taught that on uh, the exam curriculums. So it's a kind of prestige, you know, rap music, chavy, working class, not so serious, which is what it said in that report. And classical music is more for the upper class. It's serious and it's worth worthy of studying. It's prestigious. I mean, who are we to say what's the correct culture here, Georgia? I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's, I've heard it for so long. Like, classic is just for the elite and hip-hop or rap is for, like, it's for street people. Like, it's, it's nothing at all. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, music is for everyone. Doesn't matter what genre you come from. I mean, I've, like I said, classical music is for everyone. So is hip hop. And yeah, hip hop has changed over the years. And like I said, classical music is only so much you can do with the same pieces every for the hundreds of years. But music is music. It's for everyone. Doesn't matter what your background is. You should have access to all kinds of music. I don't where I don't care where you come from. It's for everyone. And this thing that classical music is only for the elite with a bit of money, I don't agree with that either. I mean, why should we only focus on the elite for classical music and vice versa with hip-hop? I mean, I don't just don't agree with that. I could talk forever about this, but I just don't agree with any, any of that, so, to be honest. What I found really interesting, um, Georgia, when I advertised your show, I actually did have... Um, a lady who told me that she was growing up um, 
playing classical music and she mm. was a violinist and she she thanked me and she said to me uh she said thank you so much Sobia for running this show because um I've always played classical music as a violinist however mm. hip-hop rap and grime is more of the music that I'm inclined to associate with and feel content with listening to so she was basically saying that even though she's been classically trained she identifies herself with that type with that genre of music which there you we know go. It, well exactly and it's like I, I found it really interesting that we are kind of like restricting people's um options uh, about what they can and can't listen to what culture is basically what the correct culture is and now i do understand uh when they're talking about cultural capital from a, a certain point of view but i don't think it's the only avenue or route to go down and you've got to remember that some of these major rap artists uh, and people in hip-hop and grime and, and people like Akala, for example, mm. we, we need to remember that prestige doesn't come from big, you know, traditional power structures. It can come in other forms, as we have been shown from these uh, artists, because they are artists, they're musicians. So rap does connect with a lot of people. Do you think... Um, uh, you know, there is this hierarchical view of the worth of different music, and I think that kind of needs to change. And I think that's what you're trying to do, isn't it, Giorgio? You're trying to change that misconception that it's a binary choice, one or the other. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to do, because there's so many similarities with both genres of music. And like you said, with the person that uh, messaged you, actually, with that lovely message, I mean... Us as classical musicians, we don't we don't just listen to classical. I mean, we listen to everything, like like hip hop to R and B to Afro beats to reggae to dance to rock to everything. We don't just listen to one genre. And I'm just trying to make it more acceptable for a wider range of people and showcase to people that both genres are just so amazing in both ways. I mean, we've got the stories of hip hop to the powerful sounds of classical music. And when you bring those walls together, it's just incredible. I mean, when I first started, actually, with the orchestra, the idea kind of sold itself like a hip-hop orchestra, thinking, oh, wow, what the hell is that? This sounds amazing. But yet, at the same time, people were couldn't quite see the outcome of what it would actually look or sound like until we actually started playing it. Because when I mentioned that I wanted to bring the best world of, like, say, Beethoven with Dr. Dre, for instance, that got, like, a big laugh, like... What the hell is this guy talking about? But the moment we started playing and taking tracks that people knew and flipped them in a more orchestral way, then dropping into like a hip hop version of it, people are like, oh my God, this is this is incredible. And that was exactly what I wanted. That kind of, sh not shock value, but kind of like shock value that people would be, this is amazing. And it's just, I don't like, the feeling of these hierarchies of different genres of music. I, I don't agree with that. Music, no matter what the genre, should be for everyone. And we should just study them, listen to them, and appreciate it as much as possible. And so I'm going to carry on with this uh, report, Giorgio, because I'm going to go into it a bit more uh, detail. 
this is a direct quote from that report from the Youth Music uh, Organization Network. And it said that education needs to make the leap and accept all forms of music are valuable regardless of our own personal taste. Mozart may have more harmonic complexity than the Stormzy track, but Stormzy wins on complex syncopated syncopated and using language to interact with an international fan base they are both important and one does not exclude the other and mm. he then goes on and i do believe this is um this is an important thing as well classical music informs jazz jazz is a spine of hip-hop hip-hop is the older u.s uncle of grime they're not separate they're a continuum so he goes on to explain that all forms of music actually come through uh, you know through uh, one another and Khalil's just messaged in as well and said so many hip-hop tracks utilize classical music in their instrumentals I can't say the reverse is as true though what do you think I was thank you Khalil actually I was about to mention actually because I've got a, per, a couple of perfect examples of that actually there's a one of my favorite tracks Khalil might know this one actually um called Paparazzi by a rapper called Exhibit uh, who people might know more as a host on Pit My Ride years ago. Um, and his track called uh, uh, Paparazzi, it actually uses a track called Pavan by Gabriel Fauré. Um And it's such an emotional, beautiful track, but done in a hip-hop fashion. And like Khalil was saying, there's so many hip-hop tracks that use that orchestral kind of instrument, like I mentioned earlier as well. And... That's just one example. I mean, there's another one from a mob deep called If This World Could Talk that uses a fur release sample. Da, 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 da. That's just a like, famous example. I mean, so many hip hop tracks use that classical element to which is amazing, which is why it works so well together. But talk about, it's true what Khalil said that classical doesn't use hip hop that much, although it's getting more prevalent now. I mean, talk about that kind of grime thing actually as well. I remember a few years back, uh, before COVID hit, where they would do the Grime Symphony Orchestra actually at Royal Albert Hall, where they had people like Stormzy to Lethal Bizzle and other people in Chip as well, taking Grime tracks and blowing up as well into a full orchestra, which is amazing. And it's now it's getting more accepted now, which I feel. But it's we've still got a long way to go to make it more accepting. But like we're saying, I think kids just need to be more open to a lot more. Well, I mean, kids actually older people need to be more accepting of other genres and. Get rid of that kind of stigma around it that it's just for upper class or lower class, whoever it might be. Music is for everyone, no matter your background um, or your... Yeah, so go on. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's for everyone, no matter what your background is or um, where you come from. Um, uh, one of the things that is an issue is obviously since... Um, you know, you're, you're aware of this as well. Music lessons have gone down and the options process that happens in Key Stage 3, a lot of people uh, have stopped picking music as an option. And one of the, one of the, uh, uh, one of the um, reasons for it is because there isn't that um, wide mix of uh, different types of um, music on there. So, for example, grime, hip-hop, electronic music it is very much quite straightforward uh, for the GCSEs what kind of music that they want to um, uh, educate students on. And mm. in 2019, a guy called Calvin Robinson, which I, I know he's a very active educator uh, on Twitter, he said that classical is more worthy of study and rap is just noise. And 
I'm going to move on now because everybody knows about Catherine Barbell Singh and she's, you know, known mm -hmm. as the uh, country's most strictest head teacher. And she says that uh, rap music encourages black self-hatred, it's revolting and it uses bad language. Um, and I'm just going to quickly... Before I move on any further, just read out a few of her tweets of what she said on it. And I'd like to hear your thoughts about it, Georgia. So number one, one of her tweets she wrote was, um, to all of you who think rap has to be homophobic, glorify violence, use words like and to be offensive to women, it doesn't. It isn't inspiring, it's grotesque. People think this is good for kids, it's revolting. Ever listen to Zuby music? His music is clean, just stop. So that was one tweet that she put out. And another tweet that she put out, uh, and this was in uh, 2021, um, yeah, I think it was 2021. Uh, yes, some love Stormzy and other drill, grime, rap, etc. artists who are misogynistic, glorify violence, wear stab vests. They don't care how it destroys the lives of boys in the inner city. They think it's cool. They even campaign to teach Stormzy over Mo Mozart in schools. Hmm. What are your thoughts on those two tweets that she put out? She sounds like Miss Transport to me from Matilda, but it's I can see where she's coming from because yes, there's a lot of music that does kind of use those lyrics. I mean, we talk about drill music, for instance, um, as part of my podcast, one of my podcasts that I do called Keep It Thirty, where I go to schools to talk to kids about their, their feelings on different things, and they've mentioned actually that drill music has a big effect on on their livelihoods and their mental health, and they want to get involved with that. So I do see where she's coming from, but at the same time. Hip hop is a way of getting your um, feelings out there. It's not all without that, obviously. There's such such amazing hip hop music out there where they tell stories and tell. It's uplifting. It's it's inspiring. It's incredible, and we shouldn't just get rid of a whole genre of music because of a few songs that are out there. I mean, if that's the case, then where do we stop in terms of canceling all kind of music then? Because there's other songs out there that use bad words or bad story behind it, but you shouldn't get rid of it at all. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very thin line between accepting and not accepting at all. I mean, we we should I don't think we should get rid of it at all because hip hop is incredible in so many different ways, whether it's in the form of trap or drill or whatever it might be. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of songs out there that use bad words and bad stories, but at the same time, equally, there's so many more more that are uplifting, talk about obviously getting over things, right? the way you look, like don't care what people think about you, get over, you're fine, you're incredible, you're smart, you're intelligent. I don't know, I don't agree with what she says to be honest. So for me, I th I had to think about this a lot because obviously I've been an educator for 17 years now yeah. and um, I, I agree with everything that you've said but I also can see it from her point of view as well mm. and the reason is is because I actually spoke to a colleague of mine, Joe, who's not in the studio right now but um, we were talking about this uh, a week ago and we were saying how to some extent she is right because mm. obviously there's certain types of language uh, and certain things that are happening in those music videos which are inappropriate for our students for our students but we also know and we need to be very careful that that is a form of entertainment and so when we're discussing it with our students joe was just saying how yes it's okay as a form of entertainment however 
it's not the kind of thing that you would imitate in real life. Mm. And, um, for example, there's no way you should be calling, using inappropriate language towards each other. Um, there's, uh, with regards to women, which I'll come back to you and ask your opinions, um, you know, you shouldn't be inappropriate towards women because obviously you've got a sister, you've got a mother, you've got a grandmother, you know, you've got to think about when you have daughters yourself. So that is uh, something to take into consideration as well. Um, and finally, and he mentioned this, and I'm so glad he did, because obviously I come from a business background. And he said that when Jay-Z first started off and he was actually rapping uh, in the early stages of his career, he was into inappropriate uh, stuff. He was involved in a lot of things before he realized he actually had skills and what he decided to do with those skills was become a businessman instead. So he was saying, so my colleague Joe was saying that instead of being um, just a rap artist, um, he actually made his, his, uh, his skill that he had into a business. And that's where the that's where the difference is. And when Catherine Barbell Singh says this kind of stuff uh, in public, to some extent, she's right about the language. And some people may or may not agree with me on that. But I do think she is right uh, with regards to some things. But at the same time, it is entertainment. And we do need to look at uh, different types of genre. And just because it happens in music doesn't mean that people are actually going to follow it and create havoc and mayhem, uh, you know, in the world. So, what do you, like? Those are my thoughts. What do you? What do you think? I can I completely agree with that because I do see where she's coming from. Yeah, a lot of songs do obviously contain a lot of inappropriate language and things what they're talking about. Um, but like I said, it's, in, it's just it's, it's entertainment at the end of the day, and they're kind of like working towards. They are, it's, it's a business as well where they're just working towards what works. Unfortunately, in some instances, but it, and like I said, most pe most people don't don't do that in in their own lives. They like, don't like go around calling women this and that, or because like you said, they got they got grandmas, they got mums, sisters, cousins, that women. It's it's. It's a difficult one, really. Like, we shouldn't cancel it because then if we cancel, say, one genre of music, then we'll cancel things like films and games because they have things in there that are inappropriate too. But it's all about how far do we actually go with this whole thing, if that makes sense. And do you, like, I mean, because the Obamas actually mentioned this as well when they were in, when Barack Obama was president. He said the same thing. And Michelle was saying how she was going into schools and making it clear that, you know, um, people from, um, you know, uh, the, you know, uh, a background ethnicity um, and, you know, from the black background, they do, um, you know, they are more they should be more aspirational than just being a rapper and I remember it clearly because it was a newspaper article and Obama was really about you know get yourself some skills enjoy that music but also make something of yourself he was he was really advocating for that and I remember I remember it being in the news so much that you know I I, I could actually when this storm happened with Catherine Barbell Singh I could understand where she was coming from to some extent yeah, I, I I completely agree with that as well I mean it's true like we need people like you said we need aspirational people out there and inspirational people to help these kids to say you don't want that life of 
the knife crime and gun shooting. You don't want any of that because they're just showing off or might be lying most of the time about what they actually do. You don't want that life. You're so clever at what you're doing, so amazing. You should make something of yourself as well, which is why I do my podcast just for kids because a lot of them are influenced by what they hear or see. And it's sad when we hear kids that come from great backgrounds wanting to imitate what they hear on things like drill music, which is which breaks my heart. But then when they when they get into any kind of like slight trouble, they get scared. They're like, I don't want to be part of that. So I do see where she's coming from at the same time. And we just need people, like you said, people that can help guide these kids along and help them to find themselves what they're good at, what they love doing, how they can help themselves and then hopefully the people around them as well and make something of themselves because life is too short to ruin it for something stupid that you heard on a song or saw in a game or a film. It's, everyone is gifted at something, whether it's through art or sport or cooking or whatever it might be, everyone is incredible at something. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to find out what they're good at but we, as people who are more experienced in life, should be the one to guide them along saying, and find out, like, what, what are you good at? What do you like doing? And, da, 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 and find out from there and from the podcast that I do with the kids called Keep It Certain, like I mentioned earlier, Keep It Certain, you learn so much from these kids. I mean, what they're good at, uh, what they're good at, what they want to do in life. And at the same time, they've got so many, so many talents as well. They might be good at both, say, football and cooking or poetry and something else. We should be one to guide them and use their talents in more ways than one, if that makes sense. Just guide them along and help them find themselves and make something of their lives. Yeah, and um, I've had Khalil, thank you, Khalil, for messaging in because I am um, obviously um, learning as I go along. Khalil said, just a rapper he disagrees with because they're not just rappers. Obviously, they've made a career out of it. Um, and so exactly. they've invested they've invested time in that. But he did say having multiple options for your future, definitely, yes, um, that is a, a big thing. And when we go back to music provision uh, in education, one of the things um, that everybody has been going on about for ages is that music provision has decreased in state schools but increased in independent schools. Uh, and, you know, when we're talking about music, we're not considering people's identity and, you know, you're not taking those people who are wanting to be musicians seriously either because you're essentially hiding a part of their identity and the types of uh, genre that they're interested in which is kind of like saying that you don't belong so um, maybe a bit more inclusion would be uh, appropriate there as well. Um, can I ask you Giorgio because everybody mm -hmm. asks this because I have my kids asking me as well <laughs> like so when, <laughs> when when we are talking careers with people I, I do uh, you know 17 years in the profession I've heard all sorts uh, when you wanted to become a musician, did you do it for the money and women? Did you do it to get wrecked no. in the hood? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> because like, like I said, that I, I've got more than, everyone has more than one interest in life. And the reason why I got into it wasn't for the women or the money, because I'm useless with women, but it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like I said, the reason why I got into music was because I wanted to inspire as many people as possible through my journey and if I can do it so can you and at the same time I want to open so many more doors with both fields so for instance 
I wanted to show the classical world what hip hop's like and vice versa and just inspire so many more people in the process. Like Khalil said there, nobody is, is just say a rapper or just this or just that. Everyone has more than one talent advocate and we should be the ones to open up that treasure chest of amazing, amazing talents that everyone has because if we, I know that people talk about a lot about BAME as well, B-A-M-E, and which people get really annoyed about and they feel like it's, restrict, it's restricting them under like one type of person, like you're, yeah. you're black or you're Asian or whatever you might be. And because of that, it's, at the same time, it's restricting them, it's restricting music. And music, I feel, is the gift that can bring everyone together no matter your background. And that's what I want to do as well. If you're putting on like a, like a coat, like a, oh, this is a lot, I've got it in my mind now, but if gift is the music that I feel that brings everyone, no matter your background together into one. And So it's a bit like sport. Like they say the same for sport as well. It kind of unites everybody rather than divide, dividing people. Um, and I would agree with that. But the only difference is, and this is where an element of uh, culture does come into it, because there are some cultures and religions, uh, including my own, that don't mm. agree with music and they don't play music at all. And so for me, I often struggle because obviously, I, you know, I, I come from the Islamic faith. And so yeah. I'm a, my background is Muslim and people ask me all the time, do I listen to music? And the answer is yes, I do, because my, my family are quite liberal and I was always brought up in a liberal way as well. But there are some people who do come from the Islamic faith who are very, very strict. And I have this um, conversation with um, the head of music in my school and she's, she's asked, me a couple of times because she does have some students say to her but music is haram which means it's yeah. not allowed in mm -hmm. the religion and so my my response always to that is that every parent has a different way of bringing up their children and I think um, it's up to the parents to decide where they're going to send their children um, and for them to make decisions that are best for their children however you know if on the curriculum that you have got timetabled PE or music mm -hmm. or whatever it is art RE they're all just subjects and in, 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 for me uh, if I was to ever have children, I would actually encourage my child to take part in every subject that's on the timetable. And I know that's not the same for everyone, but I think these are kind of the discussions where some people are never sure, some educators especially are never sure about when parents call in or they complain about music. And I think I think it's really important, um, you know, I, I, it's not just music. I mean, I remember when I was teaching RE in a primary school once and I had um I had a parent write in and and say that she, uh, the child was from a, a Christian background and say that they didn't want to learn uh, other faiths uh, RE they didn't want to be in RE lessons to learn about other faiths uh, it's the same principle you know parents you know can have that choice but you know you have to you have to play with it you have to deal with it in a delicate way um because it is sensitive to uh, everybody who is involved in that process the educator the uh, student and the parents now khalil's messaged in and he said that grime artists speak about the world around them if a young person is already in that environment 
it's difficult to conclude that the music has made a difference to their life choices in and of itself. Young people that are not from that environment themselves often enjoy the music, but realize that it speaks about an experience or lifestyle that isn't actually that desirable or sustainable. Thank you very much for that, Khalil. Georgia? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true what he says there, um, because like hip-hop is a way of talking about where they're coming from or what they experienced. And I feel like that way is a way of them sometimes getting their voices heard as well, because when you hear from young people who are, you can be influenced easily, sometimes from talking to them like one-on-one or in groups and getting their feedback on things, they want to be heard. So, and they, a lot of the time they feel like they're not being heard, but if they talk about it in their music, then they feel like that's, they're getting more heard that way. So I, I completely agree with what Khalil says there. It's, it's not always desirable at all, but it's a lifestyle they're going through at the moment. And it's just, we just need to help a lot more people, really. And that's why it's like when things are getting cut, like music and art in school or youth centres around the area, and we hear about so much more knife crime in, in the streets as well, like every single day or every other day someone's being stabbed, or a 14-year-old being stabbed, 15, a 13-year-old. 12 sometimes 11 i mean it, this kind of stuff absolutely breaks my heart it does because and it's, it's almost got to that point in a really sad way that it doesn't affect me anymore because you hear it every day like it's totally stabbed well, i think it's again. called desensitization isn't it when you're constantly yeah. seeing things in the news you do become a bit desensitized uh, and i think that's what the sad sad part is that um it one is. of the problems that uh, i'm gonna have a speaker come on next week to uh, discuss this in more detail but one of the issues is that as educators we're not always told who is struggling or who is involved in that environment uh, and that can be difficult as an educator. So next week, um, if you are listening today, next week we are going to have a, a speaker come in to talk to us in more detail about how to deal with those kind of situations uh, when you're in the classroom and dealing with students who are involved in things that they shouldn't be uh, because it is, a, it is a serious topic for educators. Um, Georgia, we're going to just listen to a quick clip uh, of the type of music that you have and then I'm just going to finish off with uh, some uh, some final uh, thoughts. Um, Leon has just messaged in saying blaming music for violence, specifically drill and grime, is nonsense. When Glasgow was the knife crime capital of Europe, drill and grime was, wasn't even a thing, so who was to blame then? And I think hmm. those are exactly the same. Yeah, thank you, Leon. Those are exactly yeah, the kind you, of points that you need to you need to uh, think about that, you know, um, sometimes you, you just need to uh, read between the lines and have a look. Uh, and socioeconomic, says Khalil, uh, think about exactly what's happening uh, in the world around us, but obviously not making sure that you don't have any bias or uh, you're, you know, you're listening to an echo. Yeah, uh, you're in your own uh, world listening to the same people that you do all the time. It is good to listen to other people's opinions on this. Right, Giorgio, mm. let's listen to yes. some music and then let's go to, um, let's finish off with the final section, okay? Lovely, thank you. Yeah. 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 See my past is what? 
No man that boss case do judge. I'm from the UK, come round here. Yeah, we say what one was good. Who's got me? What's got broken? That's how it goes. It's a chance we took. My man's dead more deep out here, bro. Ain't no such things as halfway cooks. Look, it's getting cold in the fist. Put my head up in this crown. Now I'm holding the fist. Right, shotgun, fix, fix, also brick. One day, hold my nose, my fish. Don't ask my ghost in the whip. All my emotions can't hold my lips. Swallow in a whole world, go for a brick. It's me, your chicken, bro. So whilst I was playing um, Giorgio, uh, just to my listeners, just to let you know that the video, and I'll, I'll tweet this out later on, um, you can see the rappers who are rapping and they're actually, um, you know, having a, a great time. And then the mm. people at the background, the orchestra is actually playing the music live at the same time. And it's amazing because it actually sounds really, really good. And that's just one track. So, Giorgio, very, very yes. inspirational how you've uh, mixed the two there. Can I ask you, a lot of people say don't go down through the arts route because you're going to mm -hmm. be a struggling artist. You're never going to be able to make money. Was it easy for you to establish yourself because you didn't have any connections? Was it easy for you to make it? It wasn't easy at all. But if you've got a love and a passion for something and I'm obsessed with something, what's stopping you? Because life is not easy. But if you've got that passion for something and you want to make a difference, go for it. Just go for it. That's all I can say to you, Hilly. Just go for it. And it wasn't easy at all. I've had, I've learned. Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Carry on. That's because because it's not easy at all. I mean, nothing that we do in life is easy. And I feel like a lot of people can't um, cancel themselves so quickly as well. They give up so easily. But if you keep going for something that you got that your heart is really in, you can't stop thinking about. Go for it because you'll get a tougher skin you'll learn so much. So when you finally get to the top of the mountain, honestly, it's the best feeling ever. And you can also silence those, that, those people that actually put you down beforehand as well. Because you, you, you do get a lot of critics that try and put you down. All the time it happens. But the harder you work, the, and when you achieve these amazing things in life, it's the best feeling ever. So I would say just go for it, especially in the arts as well. Yeah, it's hard work, but just go for it. Well, Georgia, I think you'll find that we all get criticised everywhere we go because as teachers, exactly. we're yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, we, can, we can understand that because we get criticised all the time. Right, um, just a few more questions. What's life like as a musician behind the scenes in terms of gigs and stuff like that? Can you say, share some stories about the realities of it and um, give us the highlights as well as the lowlights? Because I know that there are not just teachers listening to this, but there are parents listening who might want to, you know, think about their children going into music and just give us the realities of it what's life like behind the scenes you know what if you've got the right people around you it's so much fun honestly it's hugely fun i mean obviously there's a lot of work like so much work behind the scenes that people don't always realize i mean i'll give a couple of examples actually um i'll give you an example like for instance my ted talk that i done uh, six years ago um it's kind of like a high light and a low light at the same time because during my ted talk i was actually severely ill with pneumonia which I didn't know about until afterwards um, because I was really sick during that time. I think through overworking as a teacher and planning for the TED Talk, 
Um, so as part of that process, we had to like plan like a 20-minute or a 10-minute talk plus a performance afterwards. Um, but if I tell you that, that day, I was so badly ill. I mean, my head was on the toilet that morning, throwing up. But then I got to the place three hours late. We rehearsed. Actually, saying that a little bit before, I know we've got a ghost in that. So I won't keep it for too much longer, sorry. But um, another the day before we did my TED Talk, actually, um, we had a rehearsal at, and sound check at the Brit School, which is where the, the talk was going to be. And uh, the original plan was actually to do a kind of like a two track medley of an Eminem track into Dr. Dre. And it sounded so good, amazingly well. But then the organizer pulled me to the side after and said, I loved it. That was so good. But I was like, oh, God, what? Because, but we can't use that track, unfortunately, because we're streaming it and we can't use tracks that because of copyright like that. So I was like, oh. So but luckily, I had an original track written for the orchestra already, luckily. So I went back to my guys and said, look, bit of bad news. Good news and bad news. They adore us but we actually can't use that little medley. Um, but this is where the importance of family comes in because I call my orchestra family. They're just so amazing every single way. Did they get upset? Did they get stressed? I said, no problem, we're fine. We'll sort something out. And so what I've done instantly was, thank God for Dropbox as well. What I've done was I sent the guys all the scores and also a bit of advice for me is always be prepared for the worst just in case. This is a perfect example. Um, I sent all my guys their scores or the music. Said, okay, Tanya, you're doing this. Greg, you're doing this. Da da da, you're gonna do this part. Perfect. So that evening, they all went back, rehearsed it, came back the next day. I was three hours late because obviously I was really ill. But when everyone came in, um, we had a group rehearsal about backstage. Went perfect. And then a few hours later, went out, gave my talk. Before we performed, went amazingly well. Went back home and just passed out. Um, it was about it was amazing. I didn't know I had a pneumonia until afterwards because I went to hospital several times leading up to that moment. And doctors were saying it's just a little infection. Don't worry, about it. it's fine. You can't spread it. It's nothing. It's fine. But then when I finally healed six, seven weeks later, they're saying, "Yeah, it was pneumonia." I think you could have told me that that weeks ago. I would have done it otherwise, but. It's just moments like that where like behind the scenes moments that not everyone knows because I had to kind of act it out that I was completely fine when really I wasn't. So it's just moments like that. I've got more stories like, like that, but it's just what I would recommend to anyone in life as well is no matter what you're doing, actually come back to your question, actually, like if you were to go down the art route is have people around you that can help you. And what I mean by that is People that like are they more experienced than you, or people that are more honest with are really honest with you, and they want the best for you as well, and vice versa. Because if you've got a bunch of yes men around you, you're not going to progress in life, and you will you will find out the hard way. But if you've got people around you that are people that you can trust, people that are more experienced than you, or people that are honest with you and are really loving and caring, and people you can get on with as well that just makes life so much easier. And also it shows in your product as well, because obviously I work with a lot of so many different people who I call my family. And it's taken me a long time to get to this level of bringing together so many people that are just so loving and caring and so talented in so many different ways. 
And that's important. Um, and it's really important for anybody uh, to have, uh, you know, to be surrounded by the right team and people around them as well. Georgia, just to finish off, um, can you just quickly tell us uh, what you're doing right now, what your work is in schools uh, and what your plans are for the future? Of course. So at the moment, I, which I mentioned earlier, I work, I've put together a, a podcast business actually called Keep It 30, where I go into schools um, and I talk to kids and teach them like life skills, talk about their mental health, their creativity, their future ambitions, and so much more, and get their feedback on life, basically. Talk about different things like the effects of social media or drill music or knife crime, and really get their feedback on what's going on because we, we need that more now than ever really because of what's happened with covid and knife crime and whatever it might be we need their feedback and we need to help them as much as possible and like you said with the lack of music in schools and arts and things like youth centers and other avenues in which they can go down we need to help kids as much as possible now which is why i thought this podcast business and it's just been the most amazing thing that I've done. I mean, I've got two podcasts, Hip Hop Orchestra Presents, at which I share more behind the scenes stories of what we do and how we did it as well, talking to the most amazing people. And this one as well, where we go into schools and talk to kids and help them advise and guide them along and get their feedback and things. And I've taken a slight break with the orchestra because obviously COVID here and within a few amazing videos during lockdown, but things have been a little bit quiet, unfortunately. But we might be coming back at the start of next year for a major project, so watch out for that. But there are a couple of things that work at the moment, so watch out. Thank you so much for that. And Georgia, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us and explaining uh, that, um, you know, classical music and hip-hop and rap and grime don't have to be uh, contradictory uh, and mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be so binary either. There are, you know, we're not uh, black and white thinkers here. You know, there are uh, specks of grey in there as well. And I think yeah. that's what we we need to, as a society, realise that um, there are there is a balance to everything. Moderation. There's there shouldn't be extremes one way or the other. Okay, um, we're gonna come on to the uh, news and some adverts, and then after that, we're gonna come back with Helen Tarouk, who is a, a light. A, a career coach who was going through um, some information on how to deal with uh, your feelings if you're in a dead-end job. Thank you very much, Giorgio. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. In Scotland, school inspections will not go ahead as planned in the new year, according to a report in the TES. 
Education Scotland, the national inspection body, released a statement on Friday. In it, they refer to the ongoing challenges faced by schools and state that inspectors will not resume routine inspection programmes as originally planned. The article goes on to refer to planned recovery visits, which may take place from mid-February, but it stresses that this is only if COVID-19 allows, and that these visits will aim to support the education sector as it continues to respond to the impact of the pandemic. Grades will not be given as part of these visits. Whilst this news was welcomed by education unions in Scotland, it's likely to provoke further calls by many for Ofsted to take similar action in England. Concerns about rising student debt have been brought to the fore again in an article featured on the website Money Expert. Following a freedom of information request from a former student, it's revealed that the largest university debt in the UK is £189,000. In a thread posted on Reddit, dozens of current and former students highlighted the large amounts of interest that are being accrued from student loans. In response to the revelations made, moneyexpert.com reports that the student loan company responded by saying the examples referred to on Reddit were exceptional cases. The Reddit thread has, however, reignited the debate about student loans and the interest that can be accumulated. The issue is not new, but did become a contentious topic in 2009 when the limit on university tuition fees was raised to £9,000 per year. Recent data has found that those graduating in 2020 had an average debt of £45,060 and the current interest rate is 5.6%, which is far higher than the vast majority of personal loan rates available on the high street. The pandemic has also raised questions about the overall value for money of some university courses, where much of the tu tuition has been delivered online. Finally, many media outlets across the UK are highlighting schools which have featured in Parent Power 2022, the 29th edition of the Sunday Times Guide to Britain's Highest Achieving Primary and Secondary Schools in both the state and independent sector. The guide is published without making use of the results from the Summer 2021 exam series. This is an approach similar to that taken in the previous year and allows for schools differing approaches in calculating teacher and centre assessed grades. See local press for details. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. Right, welcome back. If you've just joined us, we've had Giorgio uh, on this morning discussing uh, rap, hip-hop, grime uh, and classical music um, because he put together a hip-hop orchestra. Um, we've got Helen Tarouk, who's a leadership coach. Uh, I, I was uh, not careful with my words earlier. She came in a few weeks ago to discuss how to deal with feeling like you're in a dead-end job. So to summarise, she explained that we need to design our work lives and reframe the way we think about our work. Um, she also gave some really good tips and recommended a great book which uh, you can listen to from the TT uh, Radio website at ttradio.org forward slash listen back. I'll also tweet out all the information after the show. Let's listen to her her final part of what else she had to say on the matter. One of the things that I found interesting is that when I walk into a school where there has been that lack of trust and transparency and there's this big massive divide between the leadership team and the staff body and if you're going into that 
where there's been that hurt and there is that divide, it becomes very, very difficult to work in that environment continuously because whoever's coming in, whether you're coming in as a leader or a middle leader or even a teacher, it does become slightly impossible when you're trying to push things through so for example if you've got a project and you're trying to push things through um, or you're trying to collaborate with people there's all of these informal politics and things taking mm. place that make it very difficult so that can affect you as a person and affect the way that you work in that environment which could actually change your entire personality and who you are because of all of these issues that are going mm. on I mean how should someone deal with that kind of situation when it's not anything to do with you personally but what you've walked into yeah. and how do you deal with that as a person yeah that's really hard um but again i think it comes down to um you know being authentically yourself and you know demonstrating to people that you are different from that demonstrating to people that you are somebody that they can trust but another big part of trust is competence isn't it so um people need to believe that you're going to be good at your job as well so you can't just go in there and just you know focus on the relationships without actually making the changes that need to happen but it's a very very fine balancing act so you're introducing things but giving people the space and time to um to let off steam and to you know let out those feelings as we talked about before so it's a it's a really it, this is part of the skill of leadership is to know how to pace things and how to get that balance just right one of the things that shocked me helen was that when i walked into one school a senior leader said our staff just like to complain all the time they just complain and then never fixed anything so essentially it was kind of like yeah 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 all my systems are in place but essentially the staff are just moaning and mm. staff moan all the time there's nothing i can do about that yeah. <laughs> we get we get those kind of leaders in yeah, organizations sometimes yeah. and i think i think it's a bit unfair for those staff because clearly there are issues staff mm. don't just moan unnecessarily there are valid things that are not working properly and as a leader if you're not taking that on board and if you're not listening it, yeah. it's a very egotistical way to lead where you assume that the way that you're leading is actually you know spot on um and then on top of that to um to stop any constructive dissent is also an issue um i feel in organizations and that i've had a lot of staff say to me that they don't feel confident enough to say anything against mm -hmm. any system or leaders or anything because of the backlash they might get which is quite sad really yeah absolutely once you start not listening to people and once you start sort of not allowing space for dissent then that's a slippery slope because people are going to start not saying things and when people start not saying things then you're you know you're on on a hide into nothing it's it's going to be a bit of a disaster you've got to listen to people you've got to be able to evaluate what people are saying 
um, and how important it is, but you've got to let people see it and and then, you know, do something about it, do what's appropriate. Uh, but you really, you know, it, it's no good to be um, discouraging dissent. That's that's not going to be a good organisation and, and a good culture. And if we think about if we go back to this idea of no progression within an organization so i you know i have met loads of people who've said the same thing to me that there's they've come to the glass ceiling there's nothing else for them in that organization um let's just suppose you're a leader of that organization and you can quite clearly see that your staff are frustrated but there's nothing you can offer them because all your positions are filled and you know that they're going to be staying around for a long time for example your leadership team you know they're going to be around for a while um what could you do as a leader to ensure that you're giving opportunities for growth or you're giving opportunities um, to make staff feel that they're getting some sort of professional development which is enough for them to be able to move on to somewhere else yeah um i think be open i think that's what leaders need to do is be open to suggestions from staff and i think that the onus here would be on the members of staff to be creative in their minds and think about what it is that they need from the job that they're not getting and to ask for opportunities to do it so you know if it's somebody who's got aspirations to leadership for example but there aren't any leadership positions at the moment you know could they ask to um, observe some leadership meetings could they um or if they're part of a team could they be given opportunities to chair some team meetings you know there's all kinds of different things that can be done you've just got to sort of think creatively about giving people some opportunities to try out some new things shadow people doing courses visiting other schools is a great thing you know as well um just to get out there and see how things are done in other places. Um, so there's lots of things. The starting point needs to be the member of staff themselves thinking, right, what do I want to do next? There isn't a job in this current school, but what could I be doing to prepare myself for the time when a job comes up um, and get some opportunity, good CPD opportunities within this job? And hopefully those leaders or those people within those organizations, those leadership teams are supportive and they're mm. not blocking anything because I have heard yeah. really awful stories where um, even like sitting into a senior leadership meeting or being part of working parties is discouraged because they don't because that's not how they do things in those in that school. Um, yeah. So it can it can get stifling. So I do. I mean, that's part of the reason why I did the show because it can get stifling there are some organizations which are seriously behind with the times and really really need to progress because one of the issues that i have got is the amount of teachers and I, it's the same issue that all of us are concerned about the amount of teachers that we lose from the profession mm -hmm. on a regular basis and a lot of it has to do with people skills and people leadership skills as well um and it's something yeah and it's something that is really really important so um, just to finish off then, 
could you give um, some advice to people who are uh, possibly um, wanting to make change, but they're not sure how to go about it um, in terms of they're not sure whether they're stuck in a rut or they're not sure whether it's the job they hate or whether it's the fact that they're not growing. Can you just give them some starting tips of what they could do to help them get you know motivated to start thinking about okay we understand that we've been through a pandemic we know it's really really hard right now but there are things that you can do to support yourself yeah so I think you know going back to what I said earlier it's about digging deep and finding inside of yourself what it is that you really want what are you missing at the moment what's missing in your job is it that your job you're working in a sort of toxic environment in which case advice is get out as quick as you can but is it that you know you you need a learning opportunity or you want a chance to be more creative in your job try and see if there's things that you can do within your current role that you maybe haven't thought of yet um you know I, I would encourage you to get a pen and paper out and make a list of possibilities there what are the things that I could do if I want more creativity in my job you know what are some of the possibilities here um, could I redesign part of the curriculum or could I, you know, revamp an area of the environment or, you know, they're just examples, but make yourself a list and then go and have a conversation with whoever you need to speak to about that and see if you can do something to give yourself some professional development in the direction that you want to take that you're going to be able to use to help you get a job in the future that's more in the direction that you want to go in. Um, I think that's the thing. Um, that book that I was talking about earlier, they've got a chapter in there, which is called Don't Resign, Redesign. And I think that's great <laughs> advice because you know, don't jump straight away. Stop and think and try a few things out before you hand that resignation letter in. Try a few things out that might actually give you what you need. Yeah, and I would say to all teachers, especially younger teachers who possibly haven't had the same sort of training or experiences that um, us more mature teachers have had, I wouldn't recommend resigning without having a job to go to either. Mm -hmm. um, always make sure you've got a job to go to because uh, you know we have been there, done that one t-shirt and it is very difficult sometimes because uh, you don't realize it when you're much younger, but uh, you do have uh, commitments and it can affect your uh, future down the down the line as well um so yeah i would agree with that don't don't jump into um uh into the fire from the frying pan <laughs> because as you know <laughs> you're more experienced than i am sometimes you're in a rush to get out of the school and realize you end up in a school that's possibly much worse than mm -hmm. the one you're leaving yeah you need to be really careful of that yeah <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's very important that you um, you are thinking with a clear head and you are making decisions that are right for you um, properly. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, like you said, a toxic school can actually be detrimental to you. Um, and I have seen loads of colleagues who have worked in toxic schools and they have completely changed and mm -hmm. they've ended up leaving the profession. So, yeah, it's something yeah. that we all need to be careful about. Definitely, definitely. Right, Helen, um, thank you so much for coming on today. 
all sorts of useful advice there. Um, what are you? What are your future plans? What are you going to be doing next? Because you're doing all these fantastic leadership courses and webinars. What's next for you? Yeah, so I've got a webinar coming up um, in a couple of weeks' time um, about being a coach and leader. So if anybody's interested in that, it's um, links on my Twitter profile uh, to get a ticket. And uh, I'm really enjoying doing that work. But obviously, uh, the day job for me is the coaching. So um, working with leaders and um, yeah, so if anybody's interested in inquiring about coaching, you can book a consultation chat with me and, and we can talk. And so Certainly in terms of what we've been talking about today, um, I'd really love to help people who are struggling with this um, if they think that coaching could be beneficial for them. Because I think sometimes it's really hard to figure this stuff out for yourself um, and having a skilled partner with you to take a fresh perspective can be really helpful. Yeah, and I would recommend coaching just generally, because I have had coaching, uh, as you know, and uh, it, it does open doors for you. It, it makes you think in a, in a strategic way, in other ways that you didn't think were possible. And um, I, I do think that it's something that we should possibly have in our careers regularly. I mean, I would have loved to have it when I was, um, you know, an NQT many years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, we didn't have coaching. It wasn't well known at that time we just had mentoring um and even then sometimes as you know helen um as you remember mentoring wasn't fantastic either um mm. so it's kind of like we, some of us have had to learn and navigate our way through our profession yeah. and um I think that's probably the hardest thing. So if you can get a, a coach to support you, um, to help you through some of those things that you're going through, it does make life a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd love to see people getting more opportunities for coaching. And I do think that's happening more and more, which is brilliant. Great, thank you so much for coming on today, Helen. Thank you, it's been lovely. Nice to talk to you. Likewise. Right. Okay. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we've just been listening to um, Helen Tarrock, who is a leadership consultant, and she was just going through uh, the kind of tips and tricks that you need to think about if you are stuck in a dead-end job or you feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job. Um, the original show you can listen to from the TT Radio website at ttradio.org forward slash listen back. I'll tweet it out after the show. Um, thank you very much to Giorgio Savida who was on earlier and also to all the people who messaged into the show it was really nice to get your thoughts and opinions on um, classical and hip-hop rap and grime music uh, and like Khalil tweeted out just recently I am the resident expert <laughs> on hip-hop grime and rap so thank you for that Khalil um, we'll have to catch up about that afterwards okay um, it's been a great show today thank you so much for listening uh, we have got Khalil coming on today and we've also got a new host Kaylee coming up later on um, so it should be a blast Graham's not on but the rest of us um, are on today so take care and I will see you next week next week's show is a great show as well we've got a really good lineup um, and we'll be talking about some more topics in detail uh, that we touched upon today okay take care you've been listening to teachers talk radio 
Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.